Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. The opinions expressed in this program reflect only those of the participants and are not necessarily those of the sponsors, management, or staff of WTBQ Radio or FST Broadcasting Corporation. WTBQ Good morning and welcome to Horse Sense. I'm your host, Christine Rolando, and I'm here with my co-host today, Kristen Scalfani. Good morning, Kristen. Good morning. Kristen, if you were in the studio, you'd see that her um, microphone just fell off. Upside so. down. <laughs> Backwards. <laughs> All right, so we're ready to roll. You're listening to Horse Sense. And again, we're so happy to be here this morning at WTBQ, radio worth listening to. And I guess we're all pretty happy that the sun is finally out Yay. and it feels like spring. <laughs> I'm looking at Kristen's uh, coffee mug. She decorated it this morning and it says, yay, spring. So, yep, it is spring. But I have to thank our sponsors because we couldn't do Horse Sense without our sponsors. And I want to thank Earth Tech Associates. They're located in Vernon, New Jersey. And they will meet all your excavation and paving needs. And you know what? They're getting really busy. So it's spring, and yep. you know, everybody waits for spring to do whatever they have to do. And I also want to thank Congelosi Trailer Sales. They're located up in Montgomery, and I believe they have an event today at, uh, at noon. So go up to Montgomery to Congelosi's Trailer Sales and pick out a beautiful horse trailer, a utility trailer, or snowmobile. No snowmobiling for a while, right? But you can join them today at Congelosi Trailers. Our goal here is to educate people about horses and educate people about what we call horse sense. And horse sense can be, hopefully, teaches some common sense. But I have to thank uh, Dan for coming in and helping us operate the board and keeping it all together. And, of course, Frank and Taylor. So WTBQ Radio worth listening to. We do stream worldwide, so you can listen on your tablet from your smartphone. And uh, today I want to encourage you, we're going to give some tickets away, so you can call in at 845-651-1110, or you can check out our website, or you can even email me at horses at warwick.net. And um, again, thank to our sponsors. But today I'm pretty excited because I have a pretty special guy on the phone. Hopefully he's there, but... Um, as a horse show dad who has followed his, I'm reading this now, as a horse show dad who has followed his four kids and his wife up and down the East Coast as they participate in shows from Pony Finals to the ASPCA McClay for the last 15 years, Tom knows a little something about horses, kids, and showing. In fact, Tom's youngest child, TJ, carried the torch to the equitation ring in 2016 finishing the year by winning both the Platinum Performance and the USEF Show Jumping Talent Search Finals East and the Pessoa U.S. Hunter Seat Medal Final. And guess what? It was won by his sister, Meg, four years earlier. Tom, are you there? I am indeed. Good morning. How are you? Very good, Christine. How are you today? Well, we are excited. I'm good. Kristen's good. Dan's good. We're happy to have Tom O'Mara. 
Tom, I, you know, pulled up some things about you, although I know you personally, Kristen, I said to Kristen, you better do a little bit of research because we got a special guy coming on. So. It took hours. <laughs> yeah. I was Googling all night. <laughs> she thought, Hi, Chris. Hi, Chris. Hello. Good morning. <laughs> so we're really happy to have you. You're not a, only a horse show dad. We're going to talk about all the other incredible things you have done uh, as in your professional career, but that takes a lot, 15 years up and down the East Coast, and I'm sure you've, you've headed over to the West Coast on time uh, before with some of the horse shows that that all you have to do just to get, you know, to the top of your game. So we're... No, that's true. Yeah, a lot of traveling with the family over the years, and it's been, uh, we were blessed. It's been a good thing for us. So um, let's just start with a little bit about you. I had your daughter on, Abby, a couple weeks ago. Abby is the assistant hunt seat coach at Texas A&M. And Abby kind of uh, gave us a little bit of flavor of how it all started. But let's hear your version. Um, uh, how did the kids and your wife get started riding? Well, I've been asked this question a number of times because, uh, yeah, all four of the kids have shown as uh, junior riders and as amateurs now and two of them collegiate uh, NCAA riding. So how do we get started? You know, I've always liked horses growing up personally. I've always uh, liked going to the racetrack. I grew up in Colts Neck, New Jersey, so there were horses around. Um, So I always thought they were beautiful animals. But when I met my wife, she always wanted to be riding and selling horses since she was a little girl. And so when we um, moved to New Jersey and um, she had a chance to... uh, you know, I think she started riding, taking some lessons before we actually had our first child. But when the girls and then our son uh, were growing up, she, uh, they, they did every sport there was. And we wanted to just give them the opportunity to be part of team sports. And, and, and I think it's very healthy for a lot of kids to get outside, do all those things. But finally, they would be driving by horse farms. And I think it was my wife, actually, who drove them by a farm. They stopped to talk to some horses one day. And the girl said, can we take, you know, pony lessons? And so she connected them and got them all out riding horses. Good for you, Liz, if you're listening. (laughs) So kudos, Liz. That's what a good mama does, right? She takes her kids to the barn and gets them on a horse for sure. So we're we're excited to have Tom Amara with us today because Tom is a guy that being part of the change, that's that's a title actually in one of the uh, articles that I had pulled up and read about you a while ago. But um, you are, you're, you're not only a horse show dad, you're um, a professional in the, in the finance world and usually successful, um, and you are a man that makes change. So we're happy to have you here today. But let's talk about some of the change that's going on with, in 2002, the National Collegiate Equestrian Association, they basically had created a young equestrian program. Let's talk about that just a little bit uh, before we go to a break, because every 15 minutes we have to go to a break on the show. So let's just get this conversation started about the NCAA and the Division One level. You're very much involved in that, aren't you? Yes, I am. I am the co-chair of the uh, National Advisory Board to the NCEA, the National Collegiate Equestrian Association. And I'd like to clarify that for your listeners, the <clears throat> Because oftentimes people hear NCEA or they hear NCAA. Right. Well, NCEA, as I just said, is the coaches organization that oversees the day-to-day activity of the emerging sport of NCAA equestrian. And that's kind of the phrase I used to make it clear to people. And I hope that was. No, that is. That's great. So I uh, thank you for clarifying that because the Na- it's the NCEA, National Collegiate Equestrian Association. 
Correct. And how long have you been involved with that? So I've been involved with them since, well, um, our first daughter went to college and decided not to ride in college, um, Casey. And, <clears throat> but we were exploring, what are our kids going to do when they go to college, which is really how I ended up getting involved with this. Um, they were all junior riders, ponies, horses. And as they got older, you know, we knew they were going off to school. We we're making decisions about what type of schools to pick, where they want to go, what they're going to study, you know, taking the SATs, getting their uh, essays ready and all that type of stuff. But we started exploring their passion had become uh, equestrian as, as young junior riders. And what were the options in college? So this is what I get asked all the time, Christine. People come to me on horse show grounds and want to talk to other parents. You know, what do we do and what are the options? So as many of your listeners, I'm sure, are aware, there's a wonderful organization called the Intercollegiate Horse Show Association, the IHSA. And I think I listened to your show with my daughter, Abby, and you rode for centenary in the IHSA, right? I did. A long time ago. <laughs> but yeah, I won't so the, tell you when. <laughs> well, I, and this is in no reference to when you rode, but the IHSA has been around for 50 years. So oh, it's dear. a wonderful organization. Am I that old? <laughs> I didn't right. you on the first team. <laughs> All right, keep going. Skip yeah, over that point. So the IHSA has been around for many, many years, and it, and it offers uh, you know a lot of different uh, ability-level riding. In fact, you could be a complete beginner when you go to college, have never sat on a horse, and join you know the, your college's club team and be uh, you know do walk trot, and it's a great way to meet other people and. Um, you get to go to some horse shows, and you get to compete in that ability um, class. And then, of course, it moves up from uh, walk trot up to novice, intermediate, and then they have their open riders, uh, which I'm sure you were one of the open riders. But um, So that organization has been around for a very long time, and there's, you know, I don't know, 370 colleges in the United States that have IHSA teams. It's the Intercollegiate Horse Show Association. And I don't know, at one point they had up to 10,000 people riding on these teams, so Obviously, a great success. Lots of uh, equestrian-minded, collegiate-aged people uh, ride in that program. But uh, in the 1990s, we came up with, um, we, the, listen, there's a law in the United States called, uh, a federal uh, mandate called Title IX, which is a law that protects women, gives women equal opportunities in all walks of life. It does apply to athletics and even collegiate athletics. So in the 1990s, the Justice Department talked to the NCAA about the fact that there were not enough female opportunities in collegiate athletics. Now, listen, everyone on those IHSA teams, we know they're athletes, but they were not part, and they still are not part of the school's athletic department. So that's really when the NCAA sat down and said, how do we get more women's opportunities in college athletics? And that's when they started, uh, that's when they started the uh, emerging sport process for women's programs to come on board and equestrian was asked to be part of that. Interesting. Now, we have to go to a break, so we're going to keep on that thread in a moment. Don't touch that the dial, thought. and we'll be back just in a moment. Don't go anywhere, Tom. Angelosi Trailer Sales is where you can design your custom trailer. Whether an open or enclosed trailer, horse, automobile, or stock, come sit down with one of the Congelosi trailer experts and bring your vision to reality. 
Congelosi Trailers, the finest trailers at very competitive prices. Congelosi is a full-service trailer facility that has been family-owned and operated for over 30 years. Congelosi has over 250 trailers, both new and used, as well as a full selection of parts in stock. Congelosi Trailers is your one-stop for all your trailer needs, whether to purchase, to sell, register, or just to maintain. The experts at Congelosi will help you make the right trailer purchase for your needs. Congelosi, the name you can always trust in the trailer business, conveniently located at 2201 State Route 17K in Montgomery. For more information, visit CongelosiTrailersales.com. EarthTech, an excavating and site contractor, a family-owned business with over 35 years of experience, provides service for both commercial and residential customers efficiently, professionally, and friendly. EarthTech covers all of your construction needs from complete turnkey site development to a residential septic system for your home. With EarthTech's years of experience, knowledge, and wide range of equipment, they'll cover all your needs from small to extra-large projects. Visit their website, earth-tech.net, for a list of all the services they offer. Hi, it's Tom Fursey. Sing along and relive the memories of the 1980s with me on The Magic of the 80s. Saturdays beginning at 6 p.m. on WTBQ, playing the best music. Magic of the 80s. This is Sister Anna. Listen to The Garden of the Child, a story discussion time with students. Story develops listening skills and imagination. Saturdays at 1110 a.m. on WTBQ. Good morning. We're back in the studio. WTBQ Radio Worth Listening To. I'm your host, Christine Rolando. I'm with my co-host, Kristen Scafani. You're listening to Horse Sense, and I have uh, Tom Amaro with us. And we were just talking, Tom, uh, you were giving us a little history, background of um, Title IX and equal opportunities in some capacity for women. Can you? Can we keep going? This is an interesting story. Sure will. Um, so, yes, yeah, so that's when the uh, NCAA back in the late 90s, they really sat down and said, um, they pulled together all the athletic directors of major college or all college athletic programs, Division One, Division Two, and Division Three, and they said, listen, we need to create more opportunities for women. So how can we do this? And in the NCAA, you need to have every sport uh, is considered a championship sport, and they have to have 50 teams um, to be a championship sport. And that was a difficult hurdle for startup sports to get to. So they very, you know, wisely created a lower bar for women's uh, sports to be started up so we can start creating and then they would grow and to create more women's opportunities. And that's when they made the designation of emerging sport. And in an emerging sport, which only applies to women's sports, you can start a women's sport with as few as 15, one, five, 15, 15 um, X amount of time to get to 40 teams to be declared championship. So, that was the process, and it was wonderful. There's been a number of women's sports that have come through the emerging process and now are at championship level. And, of course, you know, this is what I always tell people in the horse world. Um, you know, it's not like the USEF went to the NCAA and said, please make us an NCAA sport, because, as you all know, the NCAA, it, you know, it has its problems, but it is the largest athletic organization out there. College sports in the United States is huge. So I always thought it was kind of, a true testament to the sport that we all love in the horse world that the NCAA really came to our sport and said, can we 
add equestrian to collegiate athletics. So to me, it was a home run when that happened. Um, now, they, they put their finger in the air when they first created this process and said, you know, we'll give you 10 years to get to 40 teams. And with equestrian, it didn't get to 40 teams in 10 years. And there was a little bit of a hiccup about four years ago, but we've gotten through that. Um, at that point in time, there was a subcommittee at the NCAA that said, hey, they haven't hit it. We give them a two-year extension, and they're not at 40 teams. And they thought about dropping it for a nanosecond, but it got some bad press at the time. But that's when the coaches formed an executive committee at the NCEA so they can make fast decisions. They hired an executive director, Dr. Leah Fiorentino, who currently runs the NCEA. Smart and move. And she very she very quickly said, I'm going to form um, a national advisory board so we could get these businessmen and women from across the country to help us, you know, grow this sport. And that's what I've been doing. Well, you're doing a great job. And, yeah. uh, you know, the, like you said, there was some press, but now there's some there's so much press out there now of, of what your or what the advisory board is doing. And you really are right at the forefront of that. And um, we, we're grateful for that because, you know, in today's day, we have to have that equal opportunity for women. Um, right. so, so I'm glad that you're doing that. And uh, how often do you meet? Do you meet quarterly? How, how often does the advisory board meet? Well, we, we talk probably every other day. Oh, you do? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of plates spinning there. <laughs> so you've got, I mean, it is an, a... a, a effort so much worthwhile because uh, you know my wife Liz and she said <laughs> you know there's just another job you took Tom that you're not getting paid for but why <laughs> we, love Liz. <laughs> we love why your do wife we do all this? I know so do I um, why do we do all these things well you know what Kristen and Christine you guys you, you you ladies know how great this sport is and what it does for young women and men by the way my son uh, is an accomplished writer as you mentioned at the opening of the show yeah. but the opportunities that it gives them and being part of a collegiate NCAA program is really unique. So as I mentioned earlier, my daughter, my first daughter decided not to ride in college. And but she went to a university, Auburn University, that has a great NCAA team. And by the way, they have a great IHSA team. I didn't know so, Casey went to Auburn. I love Auburn. Alabama. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes, she did indeed. So um, then Abby, who you had on the show a couple of weeks back, she ended up saying, I want to ride in college. So we explored all those opportunities. And she was recruited heavily by a lot of different NCAA programs. And we looked at IHS colleges that had club teams as well. And she decided to ride for University of Georgia and had a great career there. And then her daughter, our daughter, number three, uh, the girls always get mad when I number them. But it's the only way I think <laughs> I know, but yeah, how do you myself. keep track of all that? <laughs> <laughs> so Meg uh, decided she ended up going to University of Georgia as well. And they rode on the team together for one year. Both of them were starters. It's funny, I had a friend of mine from Atlanta who I worked with at the time. He called me up, and he was a Georgia grad. And he said, how come we have all these O'Mara girls from New Jersey as our starters on the University of Georgia equestrian team? And I said, well, that's a good question. I said, do you have a problem with it? He said, well, not as long as they keep winning. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and both of them are usually successful, all the girls. Yeah. So, so it, you know, it's being involved with it. And what, what I've seen, not just for my kids, you know, heck, parents could always point out how great certain things are for their children. But really, we spend so much time, Liz and I, on the sidelines of these collegiate meets. I mean, I, I'm going down next week as the national championships for the NCEA down in Waco, Texas, hosted by Baylor, April 18th through the 21st. And this will be my ninth year down at the national championships. Um, 
And uh, Liz and I have stood there many, many times. And you can see when you're there, all the top teams get invited. And, you know, there's, there's over 1,000 girls on these NCAA teams. Listen, there's only 24. Actually, we have some really good news I'm going to share with you in a second. But okay. 24 NCAA teams, or teams that report to the NCAA um, that they have a, a women's varsity NCAA program, of which 20 actively compete in the format. So it's not 40, but it's a lot. And they're all over the country, from California down Texas, Midwest, East Coast, Southeast. And, um, and, and what has happened is um, it's not the number of teams, but it's the number of participants. So as I said earlier, there's over 1,000 girls on these teams. Um, and the key thing about NCAA is, for your listeners to realize, it is an NCAA collegiate sport. Those teams are all part of the athletic inventory at those universities, and they are treated like the football team, the Mm -hmm. soccer team, the softball team, the baseball team. They get all the perks of being an athlete. Now, there's also a lot of demands that come with being a collegiate athlete. There's workouts. and uh, I mean, it is five, six days a week. They're in the gym. They're doing Pilates. Um, They have to go to tutoring sessions. Um, they make sure, uh, you know, they've created a safety net around these athletes to make sure that they maintain their grades. And it will be no surprise to you, to you ladies or to your listeners, but the schools that have these programs, their athletic directors, and even the presidents of those universities, they know who their NCAA equestrian teams are because those teams have, if not the top, the number two GPA of all their, uh, their athletic teams and, and, not only are they smart young ladies, but they also have, if not number one, number two, community service hours of all their athletic teams. So it's a high-quality student-athlete, and I know that's no surprise to your listeners. Right. No, not at all. Um, but, but I have a, a question for you here. Is this, yeah. in fact, you're, when you say you're trying to get to 40 is what you were looking at, but yep. is it a rule still in the NCAA, that the, the fact that they restrict the schools from going out and marketing their programs? Is that? Well, what, yes, what? that is a rule. That's not an equestrian restriction. That is an NCAA restriction. So um, it's just different. The, the pro, you're, they're allowed to mark. They're allowed to say they have a team, but they protect the student athlete. Um, you know, there's all sorts of lawsuits with top basketball players and football players about universities using their image and whatnot, who owns it. But when you are an NCAA athlete, there are a lot of restrictions. You can't ride on another team. You know, you, you ride for that university. And, um, and by the way, their scholarships. I mean, these girls are on scholarships. Each team has 15 full scholarship equivalents that they can scatter across. Now, every team doesn't use the exact same amount. But in the Do we lose you? Oh, no. College, oh. Quarter scholarships. <laughs> we so, thought we so lost right. you there for a minute, Tom. Got to go back and say that. We kind of blanked out there a moment. Uh, the oh, 15 okay, With sorry. the 15 the scholarships. Yes. So um, the NCAA rule is for the sport of equestrian, they are allowed 15 scholarships and their scholarship equivalencies, which is common in most sports, uh, collegiate sports, meaning you can split it into 30 half scholarships or 60 quarter scholarships. So the, the average team size is 38. Some schools have as few as 20, and the, the biggest program has 65 women on the team. Which um, team is that? Do you them, know which team that is? That is um, University of Georgia. Oh, okay. Yeah, and Texas A&M, I know, has 50. So there's a couple of big oh, – no, 65, I think, is Baylor University. So there's some big programs with a lot of people on them. But they all get treated as collegiate athletes on those programs. Um, so 
you, the benefits are just tremendous. And but you got to want to do it. You got to want to do this format. It's not for everybody. Um, and we're trying to get more schools. So that's the key. Right now, uh, these coaches of these programs, they're getting two, three hundred video resumes a year for five spots that they can recruit for. Um, so, so it kind of ties into my work with the National Federation. But uh, we really needed to get out and educate and talk to uh, athletic directors about this sport. And I can tell you, we, in the last two years, uh, my cohorts on the National Advisory Board and I, we've been sitting down with people athletic departments all across the country. And, um, and and the athletic departments, most of them say to us, we never really knew about a question. We know it's there, but we don't know enough about it. And thank you very much for coming and educating us. This is a high-quality student-athlete, and we are interested in adding it. Now, we don't go just talk to any school. We go to schools that have, like, a vet program or an ag school or a great IHSA program or barns on campus or you know, it's got to be, we, we look for the low-hanging fruit, but it makes a lot of sense for a lot of universities. It absolutely does. So I'm talking to Tom Amar. we got to go to a break. You're listening to Horse Sense, but don't touch that dial. We'll be back in a moment. EarthTech Associates is one of the top-rated excavating and site contractor companies in Orange County and New Jersey. EarthTech has 40 dedicated team members who take great pride in their work, and each project is always completed successfully and on time. EarthTech customers praise their professionalism and courtesy, attesting that all their projects are completed on time. EarthTech's priority is their customers' complete satisfaction. Visit their website, earth-tech.net. Congelosi Trailer Sales is where you can design your custom trailer. Whether an open or enclosed trailer, horse, automobile, or stock, come sit down with one of the Congelosi Trailer Experts and bring your vision to reality. Congelosi Trailers, the finest trailers at very competitive prices. Congelosi is a full-service trailer facility that has been family-owned and operated for over 30 years. Congelosi has over 250 trailers, both new and used, as well as a full selection of parts in stock. Congelosi Trailers is your one-stop for all your trailer needs, whether to purchase, to sell, register, or just to maintain. The experts at Congelosi will help you make the right trailer purchase for your needs. Congelosi, the name you can always trust in the trailer business, conveniently located at 2201 State Route 17K in Montgomery. For more information, visit congelosi-trailersales.com. Hi, this is Professor Richard Hull, host of the Warwick Historical Society's weekly show, History Alive. Tune in every Monday at 11.05 to learn how history is your past, present, and future. WTBQ Radio, worth listening to. WTBQ Today we'll start out with sunshine. Temperatures warm quickly into the 70s, but this afternoon a cold front moves in with more clouds and it also drops temperatures into the 60s and even 50s by late in the day. Then tonight it drops into the mid to upper 30s with areas of drizzle and on Sunday it's 40 to 45 for a high with more showers and drizzle. And a period of rain is expected on Monday, a little bit warmer though with highs near 55. From the WTBQ Weather Center, I'm Mike Mahalo. WTBQ. 
Good morning. You're listening to Horse Sense. My name is Christine Rolando. I'm here with Kristen Scafani, and I have special guest Tom Omara on the line with us. Tom, you still there? I am. Can you ladies hear me? Yeah, yeah. we can hear you perfectly. But we're going to, I did say earlier to our listeners that we were going to have a question, and if they, um, anybody calls in with the answer to this, and I told Kristen three times, do not answer the question, Kristen. <laughs> she said I, she has no control. <laughs> but um, call in at 845-651-1110. And uh, for those of you listeners, maybe down in Coltsneck or listening, the Omara Farm is called what? Everyone's got to guess this, okay? So it's it's known for. I'll give you a hint. It's uh, we want to know what the acronym is for the name of the farm, okay? What does it mean? The acronym of the name of the uh, Omara's farm. So if anybody knows that question, we're gonna the answer to that. We're gonna give you tickets to our comedy show that's coming up on April twenty first. And that's for the Sale Foundation. And um, we're going to get back to this topic in a moment. But I want to just back up a moment. I want to tell our listeners how I met Tom. Okay. It's amazing. When I was at Centenary riding for the team, I met a girl named Lauren, Lauren Zoller. And Lauren and I, a long time ago, we are still very good friends. So Lauren rides at Hugo's Barn, Anna Marie and Hugo's Barn. So she talked to me about Liz and all these great people at Olympia Farm down in Farmingdale, New Jersey. And Lauren, you know, we talked this a long time ago, but we've talked for years. And she's been riding with Hugo and Anna Maria. And she always talked about, again, this group of people that were just so incredible. And long story short, fast forward... I went down, met Hugo, and I met the gang, your gang there at the barn, and met your wife, Liz. And I have to tell you a story about Liz. Kristen and I do a, a fundraiser every year at the um, Middlesex County Horse Show at the New Jersey Horse Park, where it's coming up again in June. And we schlep about 80 auction items. And that team at the barn helped us. That helped us every year. They help us. They support the Journey or Not charity ride, comes out and cheers it on the teams. And I remember the first year I had uh, I had a signed. It was like a golf, you know, the the golfer signed it, and it was framed, beautiful glass. It was like two by three foot. It was gigantic. It was valuable too. And we stood it up. Kristen uh, Tom is a detail detail person. She works on the auction to the detail. Make mm-hmm. sure it's beautiful. And we stood this beautiful PGA autographed uh, f- framed. And it blew off the table and smashed on the floor. And your wife, Liz, came running over and she says, I'll take care of this. And Liz (laughs) zoomed off with it in her car and came back and had it re-glassed and reframed. She's awesome. So you guys at the barn down there, you're all doing good stuff. And um, we appreciate it. Love you going on, Maria. Love uh, all you guys down there. So if you're listening in, we appreciate that. And that's how I met Tom, um, through through that whole connection. But let's get back to the story here a minute. Let's talk about where we are with this, uh, this new charge that uh, you, you're involved with, this uh, National Collegiate Equestrian Association, the NCEA. Sure. And, and that, was, that is a great auction. The, um, the, the orange, what was it called again? Orange oh, literacy? So, so we did it for Literacy Orange for three yeah. years. And last year we switched over to a new charity, which Chris and I are very much involved in, called the Sale Foundation, which is Strategic Access for Independent Living. So sale, oh, wow. we're sailing into independence because many of our clients at the Sale Foundation are, you know, they are young adults that have suffered either a traumatic brain injury 
uh, or or have Asperger's syndrome, you know, on the spectrum of yes. autism and PTSD. Right. We serve veterans also. So what we do is we um, raise money for empowerment. Uh, many of these young adults uh, struggle with living in a silo. They do not have the opportunity, you know, the social aspect. And uh, when I have, my own son suffered from a traumatic brain injury on a motorcycle accident on his 21st birthday, Tom. It was awful. Mm. But he's doing fabulous. He's doing great. But because of his connection to that, even this past couple weeks, we've had um, young men come to our house for dinner. And they, uh, all of them have, four of them had struggled with uh, traumatic brain injuries. One boy Mm -hmm. actually got stabbed from a homeless person, stabbed him in the temple with a screwdriver. Mm. Like, isn't that awful? So they uh, Mm. met at Helen Hayes Rehab. And uh, it's really, I have to tell you, it's very humbling to have these young men at my dinner table and them talk about their stories and talk about their recovery. So that's what the Sale Foundation does. And uh, we're, we're proud to be a part of it. So we're going to raise money this year with the uh, Journey or Not Charity Relay. And um, mm-hmm. what's the date of that? The 20... 20- it's June 22, 23, and 24. And we're also partnering with the Bergen County Equine Rescue from... Um, Bergen County, New Jersey. So we're really excited to work together with them. They have a great team of of volunteers as well that are very supportive. And this year we're doing the auction, but we're also, um, we have cowboy boots. And cowboy boots, if anybody has a pair of cowboy boots hanging around, uh, newly, new or gently used, we need cowboy boots because many uh, artists and some famous artists have stepped up. And what they're going to do is they're going to be painting the boots. And some of those boots are works of art and they will be in the auction this year. So we're going a little bit different. We will have the uh, silent auction, but it will incorporate the cowboy boots as well. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, thank you both so much for running those and and being involved with those charities. And it's obviously great causes. And uh, that's where we did meet. I do remember being at those charity tables uh, at the Middlesex Horse Show for a number of years. Yeah, and we uh, have uh, that the Journey or Not Charity Classic, and that's always fun. Tom, do you ride still? Can we get you on on that uh, team? (laughs) Nope, nope. I have too many people. I'm running around holding... Know, holding horses at the rings why my whole family's in the ring. <laughs> They're all going four different, five different directions. <laughs> I tell you what, like people don't realize, like I'm so glad that you're on today talking about, you know, this whole epic experience of, of the collegiate because people say to me, oh, what, what's, you know, what does it take to ride a horse? Uh, right. <laughs> what does it take to ride a horse? Well, what does it take to get ready to go to a show, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's amazing. It's the road. And something you said earlier, and I'm a firm believer of this, horses teach discipline, do they not? Oh, there's no doubt. Um, in fact, we were just talking about that last night, uh, Liz and I, at our, our, in our kitchen, our, our kitchen table. Um, we were talking about how we were. I mean, I said to one of our daughters was sitting there, Meg, and I said, you know, we didn't really plan this, <laughs> and, which ties into that name that you're asking people to call in on. That's how we came up with the name. But we didn't plan, you know, the road that we went down here, but we did it, and we all did it together, our family. And we, looking back on it, I'm just, and which is really why, I mean, we're just pleased as punch that it worked out the way it did, because the kids did have discipline, and the kids, when they're at farms, you can see them. They're, they're, they're playful kids again. They're not all wound up about how they're dressed or how people are looking at them and, you know, all the things that poor teenagers today. I know it wasn't like this when I was a teenager, that's for sure. Maybe I just didn't care. But there seems to be so much stress and uh, that, that is brought upon themselves, and they just need to be out in, uh, which, you know, out in nature or out on a farm yeah. and 
listen, we know we're fortunate we were able to do it, but you could do it. And at any different level, you can do this. And um, But what it does is it completely also instills discipline. Um, because if you love animals, whatever type of animal it is, but certainly these large animals, horses, um, it, they, I heard McLean Ward talking about this when he won at the USEF, I think, Equestrian of the Year this past year in January. And, I, and it was a video that went viral. It was his acceptance speech for that. And he talked about horses. And he said, we owe them everything. You know, people who are involved with horses, obviously. Because they do everything for us. And I think, you know, your listeners, horse people, they have a connection with that animal. And you realize that they are doing everything you ask of them. But they're also putting themselves in our hands, humans' hands. So, and I think even at early ages, young men and women, who are working with ponies and, and horses, they, they recognize that. No one even has to tell them. You just know this animal needs to be fed, walked, cleaned, groomed, brushed, and, and they do it, right? So the discipline that comes out, it's almost a natural discipline. It's not like people standing over you saying, do this for the horse. If you see that happening, the person's probably not an animal lover. <laughs> <laughs> and, and let alone, you know, just the preparation that goes in. And, you know, there's a tagline. Um, I was a uh, a director of a therapeutic riding center for 10 years up here in Warwick called Winslow. And the mm-hmm. tagline's healing with horses. And horses have that ability. There's something magical about them. There's something very empowering about horses. And they do that with, uh, with people. They help people to do that, to heal. Healing with horses on any, any level. You know, you come out of a... Um, you know, you're at a, a, a day that you're, you're working, you're driving back from New York City, you're charged. Hey, you go to the barn and it's just amazing how it just, it's very therapeutic and it just kind of brings you down into a, pl- a very, per- you know, perfect place of peace, I say. Uh, this week, yesterday, actually, I had the opportunity, Tom, to drive out to, oh God, it was fard. But I went out to beyond Allendale, uh, Allentown, Allentown, Pennsylvania, and I drove to a farm called um, Avalon Crest. I had a phone call this week from a gentleman, uh, Andy. He called me and said, uh, you know, I need, um, I have, uh, I'm a breeder, Arabian horse farm. Uh, I have an Arabian horse farm and I'm a breeder, and I need to, I'm donating three horses, and I'd like you to come out and appraise them. So mm-hmm. I said, sure. So I went, and it was it was almost three hours one way. But Pennsylvania is just beautiful. I was up on this mountaintop. I have to tell you, you could see as far as the days long. And it was over a 100-acre farm. It was gorgeous. You know, you pull up this beautiful driveway. But it was that sense of peace that when I saw all the horses in the paddocks, you know, these are all Arabians, lovely, and uh, just an a, a incredible place and it gives you that sense of peace although i drove so far you know it was well worth it to go and see the the animals that they have there so you're right horses do that and it's funny you you what you were describing was something that i used to go through you know maybe every other day um you mentioned earlier in the show you know i worked on wall street for 30 years and I, I guess there were days that it was kind of intense and there was a lot of pressure. <laughs> kind of. And, <laughs> kind of intense? <laughs> just a few days. Yeah, Go ahead. Just a few days. <laughs> so uh, I'd be on my way home and, I, and, and Liz would call me and say, can you swing by the barn and pick up the kids, right? So I would. And I would walk in and I don't know, I guess maybe that intensity. My children at times thought, you know, dad's here, get ready quick. You know, he, he, he's had a tough day or something like that. I don't know. I look back on it, I'm like, I don't know, was, was, I, was I crazy or what was I doing? <laughs> you but probably had that look little... in your eyes where they're kind of spinning yeah. around and they're not sure what's going to happen Yeah, next. <laughs> I think it scared them. I walked into the barn with my suit on and I'm sure my hair was standing on end or whatever, but they would look at me and they'd be like, 
get ready. And I remember looking at them all, and I'd say, well, hey, everyone, slow down. Just take your time, because i got to tell you, this is the best part of my day. Yeah. <laughs> was standing yep. there, and it was therapeutic for me. And yeah. I wasn't even getting on a horse, just smelling the horses. So I think I've always had kind of, it's had that impact on me personally. Uh, and I never even got on one of their backs. I just said, I'll, you guys, clean the tack. Do it right, and I'll stand here and watch it. And I, I just love doing that. Yeah. yeah, there's something about that, you know, just walking into a barn. I had a barn. I ran a barn many, many years ago. And, you know, you walk into the barn and you feed the horses and they're chewing and that, that smell and the sense of them chewing the hay. It is very uh, peaceful and very, very calming. And the thing about horses, you can't walk into their stall and when you, if you can, but, you know, they feel your energy. So if you walk into the, the you know, take Wall Street into the, sto- into the stall, you could be in you trouble there. You might get kicked. <laughs> Well, the horses, you know, they sense it, right? Sure. They sense it. But um, so, Tom, Tom, you're doing a great job. I'm really proud of what you're doing for the sport. Um, we're very, very grateful for your commitment. You know, you said you couldn't have planned this any better. I'm looking at uh, the Chronicle of the Horse. I have it with me. I know our listeners can't see this, but I'm looking at volume 79, number 28. And... Um, on it is a picture of TJ, your son. It almost makes me want to cry. I, that's I was, a beautiful photo. Look at this. I mean, look at that to... horse. I mean, never yeah. mind TJ. He's pretty handsome himself. But well, that, that was Cascade. <laughs> that, that mare was just an amazing horse. What a, what a great, great animal. Tell beautiful. us a little and bit about her. And you could see in her. that picture what they captured. You could see in that picture what oh. they captured. That was after he won the medal finals, I think, that picture. Yeah, that's the medal uh, finals. At the Pennsylvania National Horse Show, yeah, that was How wonderful. What a great moment! They, someone captured that and they put that right on there, where he's reaching down, you know, and there and there you can see it. I think you can see that. Yeah. Um, he knows that mayor helped him, and that that was a team effort. Those two rode together for years. She was very young; wow. she was a bit green. Um, she did, was not having success, and people were having difficulties with her. And uh, she was just young, and she needed someone. I don't know, TJ and his trainers, of course, Max Amaya. And uh, Stacey uh, Madden helped him uh, through all his equitation finals. But, um, it, boy, he and Max worked with that horse for years and years. And, and, and it just became really a wonderful blend to see in there. People would come up to us. And, you know, you always wonder people being nice because it's your child in the ring. But um, I, I think they were really, um, you know, moved often when they would watch the two of them go in a ring. It was a really neat thing yeah, to watch. Beautiful. Yeah, you have to, if our listeners, you have to go on the Chronicle of the Horse and look at that. It's volume 79, number 28, uh-huh. uh, November 7th. And it really is moving. brings tears to my eyes because this mare, you could see the gentleness in her eyes. But, you know, I was at... Um, the North Salem with you I f- and Liz and you, all of you guys there at the, uh, I guess it was like the semifinals. It was a couple of weeks before the finals. And I have to tell you, Tom, you were pretty calm. I mean, I was like a nervous <laughs> wreck for TJ because he was among all the women. I mean, there's very few guys. There's not many That's men right. that Stick compete. It, yeah. And the pressure was on. The pressure was on because, look, Meg won, right? I mean, four right. years prior. So you have to understand the pressure is on. And there's TJ. He's as calm as Tom. And and that ring is, you know, it's you got to really make the turns, and you really got to get it right. There's no uh, there's no room for for error. But you can see the the, the connection on, yeah. in this photo of TJ. And I would like to uh, reach out to TJ at some point and see if he wouldn't come on and see what it was like competing in a woman's sport. And they are, uh, you know, that's right. He rose to the top like his dad and his mom. Mm-hmm. So. Well, as you say, in the U.S., especially for junior riders in the U.S., it is predominantly women, and even for amateurs. But 
you know, when you go around the world, the top show jumpers, you know, there's that's when all of a sudden you start seeing a lot more men. I remember years ago, we yeah. were fortunate. Meg was asked to ride overseas um, as it, um, she went on a. She represented the U.S. on a junior jumping tour, and um, we went and we, the U.S. team was competing against all these other countries. And all of a sudden, you know, we looked around, and Meg walked up to me and she said, "And TJ then was very young because Meg was young, so TJ was about twelve. I think Meg was sixteen at the time." And she said, "Dad." We need to get TJ over here because there's a lot more guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. What a great opportunity for her to do that. It was. We Where'd you go? Where were you, Where did they compete? Well, that's a good question. Uh, well, I remember I went on part of the tour. She was over there for a couple of weeks, and I went for maybe a week. Uh, I, and then Liz went over for a couple of weeks as well. And we were in Holland, or Belgium. That's oh, where we nice. started. We were in Belgium at a couple of shows there, and then I was in. I went, we went to France. We were in Rems, France, you know, the Champagne region. Oh, nice! And there was a major competition there, and then I think Liz went to Germany and Austria. Wow! So it was really quite a tour. World tour, yeah. Yeah, great experience. Yeah. Great experience yeah. for your family. Well, you definitely. I think this uh, story needs to be written in a movie. Yeah, you know, a script, movie <laughs> script. I mean, it really is a usually success story of a family. You know, yeah. a family yeah. that has. Really, you know, you're, you're, changing, you're changing the way the sport is. You're out there making the difference and making the change. So I just want to thank you for being with us today. I really enjoyed having your daughter also. You know, Abby, she's a great kid. She's, she, well, she's a, a, a wonderful <laughs> young woman now. She's not a kid anymore. But um, your family's making a difference. And, Tom, you're, uh, you're really changing the way things are happening. Thank you for fighting hard for this sport. You know, it well, made, can I mention? Yeah, you can mention anything you want. I wanted to just mention that earlier I said that we had some really good news I was going to share with everyone because, um, you know, one of our efforts is going around talking to universities. And listen, there's over, I don't know, there are probably real close to about 50 schools now that we got that, you know, little black cloud that was over the sport a couple of years ago. We cleared that up. The NCAA said keep going with the sport. Division One, Division Two, you know, revoted. The councils revoted to uh, continue equestrian as, as an emerging sport. So we've got NCAA complete support to get this thing to championship status without really a clock being on us right now. So but the good news is athletic departments are open to having conversations about this again. And literally it's close to 50 that we're having live. They run the gamut of, you know, you know, a kind of a casual conversation that's interesting to we're modeling out the sport for them. And they like businessmen coming to the table and going through the, the finances with them. So, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's a business, uh, collegiate athletics also, and they do have to raise the money. But these schools are paying our girls to ride. That's one of the big differences with this uh, format of collegiate equestrian. Um, and the really exciting news is um, we just had yesterday a huge announcement from a major program on the West Coast, U, University of California, UC at Davis. Oh, wonderful. They just announced they're starting an NCAA equestrian team this September. In fact, um, it, it's, it's, they're also starting a beach volleyball team because they needed to create more women's opportunities. So there's two women's sports they just announced at the same time. And uh, we, we couldn't be happier because, one, we need some more schools out on the West Coast. We always hear from all the California junior riders and their parents, we need more schools out West. So there's Fresno State out there and now UC Davis. But UC Davis, and this was the one that was killing me because it was obvious, UC Davis is the number one vet school vet in the school, world. Yeah, that's what I was going to wow. say. Yeah, and, and, and literally it's a world ranking. I don't know who gives them that, but I've read that. 
They're also the number two ag school in the world. Wow. So yeah. they have five club teams on campus. They have barns on campus. There's 150 horses on campus. And the school's mascot is a Mustang. So mm-hmm. when I looked at all this, I said, how could you guys not? And they didn't really know. You know, athletics, there was new AD, and they didn't necessarily know that equestrian had gone from, listen, they've got all these great club teams. They got IHSA. They had rodeo, dressage, eventing, polo. They had everything but an NCAA team. So wow. they realized they needed more women's opportunities in athletics. And, and that's one of the things we're very careful. I just want to close with. When we go out and talk to universities, listen, we want them to add an NCAA team to their their athletic inventory. We do not ever want them to stop anything to do with their IHSA programs. In fact, in a perfect world, and I had the president or the CEO of the USEF say this to me recently. He said, Tom, in a perfect world, there are 4,500 colleges and universities in America. In a perfect world, every one of them would have both an IHSA team and an NCAA team. And I said, exactly. That's the way it should be. It's just more opportunities for people to ride some in one format, some on the athletic format. And, uh, and this is just great news. So UC Davis is another example of that. They have every club team there is, and now they've added an NCAA team. So um, really excited about that. And a lot of people are looking for that type of momentum. Yeah, well, that's, that's great news, Tom. Thank you for sharing with, uh, with us today about that. And, uh, you know, if there's, there's no vision, right, there's nothing. So that's the goal, <laughs> to get all of these schools involved. And I want to, again, thank you for your hard work today. And we're going to let you go. But let's stay in touch. And we're going to plan on seeing you, hopefully, at the horse show, right? That would be awesome. Yes, we will. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So, all right, Tom, we're going to let you go. you got a busy day. Say hello to your family and tell everybody down in Colts Neck hello, okay? I will. Take care now. All right. Thank you. All right. That was Tom Amara. Wow. Unbelievable, right? This is a man making a change, making a difference. Do I have a second to tell them where the uh, website is? Oh, please. Okay. Go to usef.org. You can get a lot of information about equine activities there. I learned something new today. I learned about vaulting on horses. Can you believe it? It's true. On that website. Yes. Yeah. they also have they have something very unique that is interesting for me. You can access their new learning center videos. You can see a sample of it. And if you want to learn a lot more, um, courtesy of all of the people who work with that organization providing you a great education, you can join us as an equestrian fan member for $25 a year. Or for $80 a year, you can join as a competing member, and then you'll have access to their network, their equestrian magazine, um, you'll get discounts and more. And um, so make sure, no matter who you are, whether you join or not, you can go to the website, usef.org, and get a sneak peek at their learning videos. You know, I do a lot. Um, I, I actually use them for my appraisals. So if I have a horse, I get the USEF number. And then what I do is I go in there, put the number in, put the horse's name, and then I get the whole show report. So I can pull up a show report and see everything this horse has done, how many horses were in the class, what class he is. So it's a, it yeah, is, a it's wealth a, of information. It's a great, great opportunity. And some to be. beautiful pictures, especially of people in their fancy outfits vaulting. I can't believe it. So I was a vaulting coach. <laughs> I can't people believe it. You know what vaulting is? Vaulting is acrobatics on horses. Unbelievable. Yeah? I mean, I, you see people do yeah, it in the movies, but I didn't know it was like a like an actual sport. Oh, it's yeah. It's, it's kind of scary. It's actually a, com- a competitive sport. Yeah. We, had a, we had a vaulting team 
at Winslow, and um, it was really, it's fun. I remember, you know, the kids, they're, they're basically doing acrobatics yes. on horses. So it's, well, you know, that's a whole nother topic, but we're going to run out <laughs> right. of time, and I have some announcements. So I want to thank uh, Tom Amara for being with us today, and I also want to tell you that I have an interesting topic coming up, which is Hello to Avalon Crest, I want to say, Arabians, where I was yesterday. Uh, Krista Chris Kistler, she's the barn manager. And Leanne Wieland, she's the assistant. And we had a conversation yesterday where I was looking at those horses, but we're going to do something on the nurse mare business. You know, that's a that's a whole business thing for the fault for the moms in the fall. So yeah. nurse mares, we're going to talk about that. Do you believe it's almost one year anniversary? No. Four twenty two is the first uh, that's show so that exciting. I did. And guess who was my guest? It you, wasn't me. <laughs> no, it was Hugo. Hugo from Olympia Farm. How awesome. Like this wasn't planned. Hugo is the trainer where uh, Tom Omar's wife, Liz, and you know how this whole connection came together. So I uh, can't believe a year's gone by already. Goes fast. So upcoming events. What do we have? Sunday, April 15th. We have Stables at Mirabella, 341 Jessup Road. Hey, if you're listening and you just want to go check out a horse show, maybe you know nothing about horses, give Terry a call at 845-224-9356. That's this Sunday, April 15th. Uh, don't forget tax day, April 17th. That's the 17th. Uh, Sunday, April 15th, there's also a Jim Connor show coming up at, at UC Fairgrounds. That's up in New Paul's. New Jersey Horse Council, quarterly meeting, uh, April... Did I miss that one? Oh, April 14th. That's today. 10 to 3 in Binghamton. All right. Get in your car and get there in a hurry to get <laughs> well, to Binghamton. <laughs> uh, April 17th, you have an open meeting. This is the, uh, uh, this is Ulster County uh, Horse Council open meeting. That's at the fairgrounds. You can give Donna Putnam a call if you'd like to get up there to New Paul's 845-728-2229. And I have to send out an apology to Allison Clark because uh, Allison's the president of the New York State Horse Council. She's going to be on next week with me. We're going to talk about the uh, the Longes Masters Series ride in April 26th through the 29th. So Allison's going to be on with me next week, and we'll talk all about that opportunity to go in and see an incredible horse show right here in New York City. And I want you to stay tuned because... As I said, WTBQ radio worth listening to. Tom Lovelace just walked into the studio with a whole entourage of people. Who are all these people? There's going to be some good music going on. And at 10 o'clock, you got wine time with Mark Chisholm. I start to call Mark the professor because he knows, <laughs> he knows everything, everything about wine and <laughs> spirits and beer and all that. And Dan even likes them too. So Mark has got more energy than, oh my goodness, than, than, than imaginable. He's, he really knows his stuff, but we're looking forward. You want to say anything? we got about 30 well, seconds. Well, I just wanted to say I had fun at wine time. He gave me three three suggestions for bottles of wine, and they're all my favorite. There you go. And it's what, like <laughs> yeah, you buy three, one. you don't have to buy a case. You get three, you get the discount. So it's good stuff. We really love Mark and wine time. So I'm going to step up there this afternoon myself, but we're out of time. Thank you for listening today. And we're going to just say, just keep horsing around. It just makes sense. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.